Hi, welcome to Here to Then, hosted by Carolyn Takeda, former attorney, current small groups pastor, and life coach. Through monthly conversations with pastors, authors, and guests, we hope to stir your thoughts and encourage you to move from where you are to where you want to be, in your personal life, in your leadership, or in your ministry. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the small groups pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. We know statistically that in our culture, biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, and a majority of our congregations do not have a good grasp of Scripture. But typically, one of the goals of small groups ministry has been to have people dig into the Bible together in some way, whether it's their curriculum, sermon-based materials, videos, whatever it is, or just opening up the Bible. And most small group ministries would say that Bible study is a significant or even an essential part of the small group experience. However, truth be told, we focus a lot of our time as small group point leaders on how to get people into groups, how to facilitate discussions, and how to get groups to do various things like serve together, that sometimes we can overlook training our leaders on how to engage with scripture during the group meeting times and just as part of group life. So how do we increase our engagement with God's word in the groups we lead? And how do we help these groups um, really dive in and know God's Word better. And so we have a special broadcast today taped from the Small Group Network Lobby Gathering in March, where our guest, Dr. Roberta Hestinus, was a keynote speaker. Um, and she's uniquely gifted and experienced to talk about our topic today, which is how to discuss the Bible in our small groups. So uh, thank you so much, Roberta, for joining us. It's a privilege. I'm glad to be here. Well, Roberta is a pioneer in many ways, and we've had the pleasure of having her here at the lobby and hearing from her experience and learning from her wisdom over 50 years of ministry, which is incredible. So let me share a little bit about her. Um, she was uh, she was um, one of the only women fellow professors at her time for a number of years. Um, she was also president of a Christian college. She was an international speaker, senior pastor, and author. She's been pioneering in Christian ministry for over 50 years, as I mentioned. She's author of numerous books and publications. And for our purposes today, she wrote a seminal book 30 years ago on using the Bible in groups, which is still in circulation today, as well as a number of Bible commentaries. Um, she lectured extensively in 60 universities and seminaries and has eight honorary doctoral degrees. Um, she also has a pastor's heart, and she has served congregation in several states. And um, she's initiated courses during her time on Fuller's faculty on small groups and women in ministries and how to teach the Bible. So she's an ordained Presbyterian minister, and she currently serves as a teaching pastor at Bayside Granite Bay Church, uh, which is a large multi-site um, megachurch near the Sacramento area. So it's all kinds of experience. There's so many ways to go with this. Um, but I want to really hone in on this topic when we were talking um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about what you've noticed kind of trends um, in small groups ministry and ministry in general. And so um, given your 50 years of ministry, Ministry, what have you observed about biblical engagement in group life over those years? It's a fascinating thing to see the way God has worked in small groups. When I first became involved uh, officially, so to speak, in church ministry, mm -hmm. uh, there were very few churches that were doing anything very significant with small groups. And were there even classes on small groups back uh, then in seminaries? When I went to Fuller, I believe that I taught the very first course <laughs> 
on small groups in right. the church, right? Uh, in any seminary, right? Now you can major in it. It's such a different world. <laughs> yes, it's such. And I used to have to spend part of every course with the seminary students talking about why mm -hmm. small groups were important and significant in the life of the church. And now uh, the issue is all about how yes. do we do that and not why do we mm -hmm. do that. And I rejoice in the way in which thriving, growing, healthy churches right across the country mm -hmm. have adopted small groups as a major and fundamental component mm -hmm. of healthy church life. Right. But along with that, in the last few years, maybe 10 years or so, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. I have begun to be concerned about the lack of in-depth engagement with the Scripture on the part of many small group participants. Most of our groups have some kind of Bible component yes. in them. But what I have noticed is that increasingly the focus in the group tends to be on building relationships yes. and the engagement with Scripture very often is of the type where Scripture may be read mm -hmm. or people will have been asked to work on a study guide of right, some right. kind, which in my experience the vast majority of lay people often do not do that homework and engage <laughs> in that uh, daily or weekly right. in-depth Bible study on their own. A lot of us have given up on trying to give homework. <laughs> yes. I gave that up a long time ago, actually, and I'm very pleased when we have good material yes. and people make the commitment mm -hmm. because they gain so much from it sure. and actually do that homework. But my experience is yeah, they that most don't, right. and uh, you can't expect it. But what happens in the group is kind of the assumption often that people have done that homework, mm. they've got that scripture under control, so to speak, <laughs> and so what we do in the Bible study is we go very quickly from perhaps reading the scripture or referring to the scripture to the application question, how do we live this out? How yes. do we apply the scripture? And it often is true, at least as I have seen it, not everywhere, mm -hmm. but in enough places that I'm concerned about it for the evangelical movement, mm -hmm. that we haven't really looked carefully at the text and do not know how to draw the meaning and the content uh, that is actually there in the text. We rely on uh, pre-digested mm -hmm. yes. biblical information. But but if if you're a lay leader um, and you're leading a Bible study, and this is just you know you have a job that's sixty hours and you're commuting, and so you're leading this group, you might not feel like you have the time or the knowledge, or if you've been a Christian for a number of years, so you read the pre-digested thing that is either in the Bible study book or that a sermon discussion guide, maybe someone from your church, probably somebody like a small groups pastor has put in there, and that kind of becomes a shortcut, is it, I mean, is that always a bad thing to have kind of... It's not a bad thing at all 
to have resources. I'm really grateful for the number of resources mm-hmm. that are now available, the, the workbooks, videos, yes. study guides. Uh, now there's, there's a, lot. a lot of that, and much of it is very useful and mm-hmm. good. And I absolutely think for most groups it's quite helpful uh, that they have that kind of resource. But... Um, I used to have a professor who said uh, that uh, reading the commentary is like kissing the bride through the veil. It's, <laughs> it's not direct. It's not firsthand. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you're not learning how to be nurtured and fed mm-hmm. yourself by the Scripture. Are we lazy? Is that why we, we would rather read someone's... It's, it's a pattern we fall into. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you one of the ways the Lord taught me mm-hmm. uh, through something I did wrong. <laughs> I was leading a small group Bible study on Romans, and most of us would be aware that Romans it's is a fairly <laughs> a, a yes. difficult yes. book. Uh, and yet, it's a book that's got the heart of our mm-hmm. faith, uh, in-depth, explained. Uh, the, the cross is so central, our need for the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, the way in which we grow in Christ, God's purpose in terms of the future and how we live together in community. I mean, it's a very, very rich resource. And I was leading this small group, and without meaning to, Um, I thought I was asking questions and leading people to directly engage with Scripture. And one morning, we were driving home. Uh, A friend of mine was driving, and she said to me, I so love our Bible study. When I read the Bible for myself, I can't make any sense out of it. Oh, I've heard that a lot. Yes. But when I come to Bible study, then it seems so clear, Mm -hmm. and that's why I love our Bible study. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, really punched me Hmm. and told me I had failed, because my goal was not to digest this food so other people could get it secondhand, thirdhand, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how many commentaries I had read, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and were still hungry and did not know how to be fed by the Word for themselves. And when people are living their everyday life and they meet the challenges and the decision points or the hard places or the uh, uh, future guidance mm-hmm. that they need, you are not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to be able to open the Word and to allow the Holy Spirit to be their teacher, which is one of the things Jesus said that the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit was intended to do. So, as Christians, if we're in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, the teacher, and we have the Word inspired Mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture is given to teach us correct us, train us in righteousness, equip us for every good work. And that means that one of the goals for our small group is that people would learn how to directly engage the Scriptures for themselves so that they can draw 
on its riches for every aspect of their life. Do, do you think we kind of give that role over to maybe Bible studies or Sunday school classes or discipleship classes? It almost seems like in some of our environments, we've bifurcated that and said, okay, small groups is primarily for fellowship and building relationship, um, and Bible is part of that but it's not the heavy dose. Whereas, you know, you have classes or discipleship things or uh, midweek things where that's more of the goal. Like it's, the, uh, and I know there's struct people that do that. I guess the, the danger, so I'm asking my own question. The danger is then if you only participate in the small group and not in a different surrounding, then you're going to miss out. And most lay people cannot handle because of their commitments, their families, yes, their the workloads, right. um, two touches yeah, by church really is the norm. And so if people are going to the weekend services and they participate in a small group, they are probably right. not in a Bible class right. or a Absolutely. place of systematic teaching. Right. And they... The only Bible they're really getting is uh, in the Sunday um, mm -hmm. service. And, of course, that varies. <laughs> we're getting the Word uh, in the music right. as well sure. as in the preached Word. But the content varies. Mm -hmm. uh, and any pastor knows that you only have so many right. minutes in right. a year. True. And if you take the amount of time on average, the four to six hours daily mm -hmm. that people spend engaged with uh, social media, uh, with television, right. with the culture and the world speaking into our lives, the 30 or 40 minutes uh, on a weekend and the 20 minutes that we may spend in the small group time, that's not a lot no, it's not. of immersion in Scripture uh, right. to help us. Well, and then the weekend, um, what you're getting at the pulpit is pre-digested, as, mm -hmm. as you said. So it still doesn't help us towards the goal of could they discover and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them themselves. I think we would agree that we would want that, but that seems like such a high, hard goal. Like, we'd have to train our leaders differently, or what would we have to do to have something like that happen in our small group systems? Well, let me speak to the question you asked a minute ago, which was about time. Mm -hmm. Because it takes time to prepare a good Bible study. What I've discovered over the years, working with hundreds of churches and thousands <laughs> of people, is that it Really, if you have a good study guide, if you have a focus, mm -hmm. and so your group has a purpose, knows what its purpose is, and includes Bible as part of its purpose, yes. then you can do good preparation uh, with some help and resources and training uh, in about two hours a week. And what I have found is that if lay leaders will spend mm -hmm. uh, two hours a week directly themselves engaged in the text mm -hmm. uh, using whatever resources have been made available to them, right. that two hours is about what it takes. And when you actually look, if you took the 168 hours yes. in a week, two hours can be carved out. Yes, And uh, others who have the gift to write materials, who have a deeper sense of calling, um, 
in this may spend more time, mm -hmm. but the two hours is usually plenty uh, it, to um, engage if with a limited portion of scripture. Because one of the things is usually you can't handle more than a relatively brief section of scripture. For instance, in Paul's letters, you can usually need, if you're going to do a good job engaging with the text, you usually need to, to have at least two studies a chapter. I'm involved right now in a study in Ephesians, and 14 verses is just about all a group can handle if we're not going to lecture at each other or just share our opinions. Well, and that's, that's the danger. I think groups hesitate to just open the Bible and not have it be guided or pre-digested because they're worried about the heresy or somebody hearing something from, you know, some online thing and comes out with left field. Like, leaders feel insecure, so they want the hand-holding of the pre-digested material. How, how would we equip them not to be afraid of random things that people in the group might bring up? I think this does come to training, mm -hmm. that one of the things we have to do is to train our leaders in how to engage with the text directly. And so you have to think about how are we going to get people into the text? What method am I going to use so we look at the Bible together? Mm. That raises issues like which version? Yes. Every small group, different churches, <laughs> All lots different, yeah. of different versions of the <laughs> yeah. Bible. And one of the shortcuts I've learned is whatever version of the Bible is most used, mm -hmm. and usually the version used in the pulpit, right. is the version that I will copy the text in that version, mm. and so that everyone has the same, same version, and you don't waste valuable group time comparing translations <laughs> right. and saying, but mine says this, and mine says right. that. And anyone can bring their own version. They're more than welcome right. to use it. But for the discussion, we will be the, discussing right. off of this version. And that very much depends on your church sure, sure. and the traditions in your church. But that's one way that saves a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so um, we either all are using the same right, version right. or I will print out on my home printer right. um, the same version so that we are all on the same verse at the same time mm -hmm. using the same words. And then sometimes uh, you think about ways where you read the scripture out loud mm -hmm. and uh, you go around and have people read. Yes. Uh, you have someone right. read or you assign these three verses <laughs> yes. or those four verses. All the variations. But you yeah. get people engaged directly. So mm -hmm. the first thing is that we have to train our leaders so that when it's Bible study time, uh, that we look at the Bible and that everybody is looking at the text, mm -hmm. which means everyone needs a copy mm -hmm. uh, of those verses. You, if you have a mixed group, husbands and wives, I have found it dangerous mm -hmm. not to have both the husband and the wife uh, have a copy right. because the tendency will be for one of them right. to have the Bible and the other one sitting there listening, not really looking well, at the text. Well, now mostly on the phone, so everyone, and mm -hmm. at least in my small group, we pretty much all pull out our phone. <laughs> yeah, and look at the same. Yes, yeah. look at the same version of it. But it's a training piece, actually looking at the Bible. And then just is it just trusting that 
people are going to come up with stuff. You mentioned earlier. No, you need a methodical way. system. <laughs> so you don't not just saying, what do you think? Which just breeds ignorance all around? don't do that. Okay. Because once you do what you think, what you're in hearing is not no. the scripture. You're mm -hmm. hearing the scripture processed, and you do want to know what people think. Okay. But you don't start there. Where you start is a very, very simple method that um, is often called the inductive method of Bible study. And what that means is that you look at the text, you observe mm -hmm. what the text actually says. And that means that you're looking at it every single word. So you're looking first for the subject of the sentence, you're looking for the verb, you're looking for who is this written to, by whom, what is the subject of this. And what I find, I've been studying the Bible with joy mm -hmm. for 50 years. When I became a Christian, this was one of the big things that changed in my life. The Bible made no sense to me. <laughs> Once right. I had a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit was helping me mm -hmm. read, if I paid attention, and really that's what observation is, stage one, paying close right. attention, what does this actually say? And then you go on to say, what does it mean? And that is usually starts with defining any words or phrases that are significant. Not every single word, yes. not every <laughs> single phrase, but the key ideas, the main thoughts, and I'm asking the primary question, what is the original author trying to say mm. to the original audience? I want to know what it meant in context. Before I ask the question, what does it mean mm. to me? Right. Because Scripture is written in a context, right. and um, I need to read it in that context right. to interpret it and understand it. So when we rush to application, we skip right. very often rich truth that is there. For instance, I find in application that it's very common and there is research to back this up, quite a bit of good research to back this up, that the conversation tends to be about us. Yes, and this is true. And <laughs> not about God. Yes. And very often I find I need to ask the question, what does this passage tell us mm -hmm. about God? What does it tell us about Christ? What does it tell us about salvation? What does it tell us about people? Mm -hmm. uh, what does it say? about God's will. I have to ask the God questions, mm -hmm. because when we rush to what does it mean, we often get Christian cliches, yes. and or um, this is how in my life yes. <laughs> uh, this works out, or what I do with it, and we haven't actually mm -hmm. seen or learned anything about God. The oh. Bible is primarily, first and foremost, not about me mm. and my needs, although it deeply speaks to, to me and my needs. <laughs> but it's about God and God's plan and God's ways of working and God's character, goodness, mm. and uh, what He means for us. And then it's about us. And so I want to ask 
what do I learn about human beings mm. before I ask, what do I learn about myself? Right. Uh, the Bible isn't a self-help book, first of all. <laughs> you hear that, though, sometimes referred to as, you know, life's manual. And yes. I, I get what and they it, mean. It, it is that, yes. But, but it does focus back on us. Now I'm feeling tremendously guilty because the questions I write for our discussion guides often have in the application portion, you know, what does this mean to you? Or how have you seen this worked out in your life? And I think there is a place for that sort of self-examination, but there's it's probably heavier than it needs to be. And I I really think your encouragement on focusing on what does this tell us about God really makes makes a lot of sense. I, earlier um, today, when you were speaking, you um, talked about the prayers that groups pray together. Mm-hmm. And this was so interesting. Um, because when you said when the prayer time is focused on, you know, health and well-being and jobs and, and those things matter, you Absolutely. know, our daily bread kind of yeah. things. But uh, it really hit home when you said that because then if you've studied the Bible together in the way you were describing, the prayer time should reflect that. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't just be about you know, wanting our life to be smooth and comfortable, but rather about, okay, God's now exhorted us toward something um, or told us something about Himself. So, Well, and if we think about the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. our Father, it begins with God. Yes. Who aren't in heaven. The grandeur and the glory and the authority mm-hmm. that God has as the creator of all. Um, and... You look at the hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And when our prayers are only about, could I have a better life? Could I be freed from suffering? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are legitimate, appropriate things to pray for. Jesus goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. But if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it starts with God, then it moves to our human needs, Mm -hmm. but it's also a prayer of community. It's Mm -hmm. our daily bread. And very often our prayers are individually centered on on what the culture values most, Mm -hmm. health and wealth and prosperity Mm -hmm. and relief from pain and all of these things. And I love the verse that said, don't be anxious about anything, but ask God. He cares. And as the Father who loves us, there isn't anything we can't ask Mm. about and for. But if the total prayer time is always, we're going to share, I have this illness or I have this Mm. friend who was diagnosed (laughs) or this man who lost his job, Mm -hmm. and it's all about us rather than being about God Mm -hmm. and His kingdom, and then what we need as human beings and the way God provides so that we can then be instruments of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And there's just one other thing that I think is really important. We have a lot of instructions from Jesus and Paul and lots of places in the Bible about how to pray and what to pray for. Right. for instance, when Jesus says, pray for the harvest, harvest, harvest. for the harvest <laughs> and for the laborers to enter into the harvest, we very seldom pray. Although we need small group leaders, we, we pray for them then. <laughs> yes. uh, but that whole idea that we pray for 
evangelism. We mm. pray for those people who don't know God yet. Mm -hmm. We don't just pray for fellow Christians, right. uh, for our church, or we're told by Paul to pray for those in authority over you, mm. even if that's not my politics. Yes. Uh, we have a biblical instruction to pray for the leaders because they impact sure. uh, what's happening in history. Sure. And very often, very seldom rather, do I see in a small group any serious prayer. We will complain or talk politics, which isn't very helpful in right, most right. of our small groups <laughs> to do that. But we don't do the one thing that God has straightforwardly told us to do. Pray right. for these people. And... Yes. Um, Carry them before the Lord because it's part of what God wants to do. He's in charge of the nations, and we ought to be praying uh, along the ways the Bible teaches us to pray. I think that prayer piece struck me because I often think how people pray reveals so much about their life with God, and how groups pray mm -hmm. reveals a lot about the depth of their, not just their biblical engagement, but also level of trust. Um, it's very revealing altogether. And and I know in a lot of groups you have the Bible study portion and then your prayer portion is like almost the curtain comes down and now we get to talk about ourselves instead of having it be integrated. And if you've spent time in God's Word together, it How does should, that influence what yeah, we pray for? I would hope so, but mm -hmm. I, I know realistically that that's not necessarily the case. Um, so I think that's another piece of the biblical engagement that's missing and it's not carried through in our prayer life. Um, unfortunately, we are now almost out of time, but I did want to give you for just a couple minutes, if there's any final thoughts you'd like to share on this topic of how we can do better as small group point leaders on equipping our leaders to engage. I, I really believe that as part of the basic training, we need to give time to helping leaders to engage themselves directly with the mm -hmm. text and to learn to question the text in order to unpack what's in it. And I do want to stress that application is extremely important, that we don't study the Bible to store up knowledge. Yes. Uh, it pops we don't up, yes. study the Bible to be show-offs. Right. Uh, and we don't study the Bible to bounce all over Scripture uh, with stuff we already know. But we open the Scripture, we open it together, because by the Holy Spirit, God will speak. I remember a pastor very worried about having small groups study the Bible. Mm. In fact, I, I know pastors wow. who forbid okay. it because they say it will be ignorant. People, It will be the sharing of ignorance. Yes, yes. yes, I've heard that. But if you have a systematic method, the leader has prayed and prepared by doing their own study in the Scripture, mm -hmm. and you have good questions to ask that always include bringing the life to here, to our lives together, mm -hmm. and to each life individually, that application of the text is going to be very important. But if I start there, mm -hmm. I may miss the blessings of experiencing the glory of God and the reality of the presence of God in our midst. Mm -hmm. And so every concern we have that we pray about we remember again that mm. Jesus is with us, Jesus is here, and we are in His presence. Yes. And because Scripture has shown us 
the reality of God and His truth, then we can pray at ever-growing depths mm. and see the way God is at work. We get new eyes mm. to see God. And then to spend some time periodically in the small group saying, where have you seen God answer mm -hmm. prayer? Mm -hmm. I did that. Uh, in a larger group, broken into small groups, mm -hmm, subgroups. Of course. Uh, because if a group's too large, subgroups are one right. of the ways right. to get everyone a chance to people, share, right. and they need to mm -hmm. um, be able to share. And when people shared, uh, it was astonishing what God had done. Mm -hmm. But we had always prayed forward in terms of problems mm -hmm. rather than taking the time to say, where have we seen God at work for praise yeah. in the last week, month, mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. if you want to give them lots of time, and then hear some of the stories of how God has answered prayer. So into the Word, Stay in the Word until you've really looked at it carefully. Ask good questions about what's the main point here, mm. the most important things I learn about God, salvation, my own life, the life of the church, mm -hmm. and then taking that scripture on into the sharing and the prayer time. One last thing is that um, it's important, I think, to vary the format of your small group, so that sometimes you start with Bible study, mm -hmm. sometimes you begin with the personal sharing or the answers to prayer mm -hmm. before we look at the scripture text, sometimes we're doing the Bible part in the middle, sometimes we're doing sharing and prayer, mm -hmm. and then go to scripture, and then have another brief time of prayer where we pray, deliberately pray the scripture. Mm -hmm. So what does the scripture so mix it up. tell us yeah. about? Mix it up. Keep it varied. Don't do the same thing every time, but always dig into the Word. I think we will go deeper. We will see more transformation. We'll see the church being a better witness if the Scripture is more central in what we do. Wow. Absolutely agree. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm so convicted now. I'm planning a different training in my head now <laughs> as we're sitting here. So thank you so much. This is very convicting and challenging and much needed. Um, and I think we'll be definitely more transformative communities as a result of it. So um, God bless you, Roberta, and your continued ministry and all the wisdom. I continue to bless you as you bless so many of us. Well, and thank you. And thank you for this ministry. I think it's wonderful that there's a way to connect yes. with the community of people called right. to this part of God's work, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of what God wants to do through the church begins uh, in the small group, and that's where it gets right. down where we live. I've spoken uh, like a true small group pioneer. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Group Talk. Please feel free to interact with me or others on the small group Facebook page um, about this topic or anything else, um, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Here to There, part of the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.